0: Good morning. The Lord is Risen. A louder one than that, please. The Lord is Risen. He is Risen indeed. Now, I I have to admit that that really has never been a common expression for myself. And I don't really recall anyone else using it. But in the early years of the church, it was indeed the greeting and the response when they met. And not just one day a year when they remembered the anniversary of the resurrection. Every time they met a believer, it was with joy in their hearts that they said, The Lord is risen. And the happy response was, Yes, he is risen indeed. <clears throat> the question why must then be answered. What was it about the resurrection that meant so much to those early Christian believers? And why is it no longer uppermost in the minds of many of today's Christians. The Apostle Paul considered it essential to Christianity. Turn with me please to 1 Corinthians 15, uh, reading from verse 3. Paul writing this letter to uh, the church in Corinth is going back over some of the things that they they should have remembered, they should have known, because he had preached there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas or Peter, then of the Twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. Go down to verse 12. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified that God, to God, of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. But if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, Your faith is vain, you're yet in your sins. The meaning of that word vain is something that's empty like a bubble. Beautiful and interesting, but transient and with nothing at its core. If Christ is not risen, we preach a false gospel. This is the importance of the resurrection. If Christ is not risen, then we have nothing to preach. Yet the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ have been the subject of thousands of sermons from this platform. To the day that Tavistock held its first services almost 14 years ago. And I don't think a Sunday has passed without us remembering it by partaking of the bread and wine, as most of us did this morning in the service that preceded this one. The bread is the symbol of the body that was broken, the wine, the symbol of the blood that was shed. Two thousand years ago on the cross, Christ went there and gave his life as a substitute for the punishment that each of us deserved. The Apostle Paul wasn't a disciple when the Lord gave that command to his disciples, to take the bread and the wine in remembrance of him and his death until he returned. But almost thirty years later, Paul would repeat that to the church as something the Lord had revealed directly to him after his conversion. If you turn back to chapter 11, of the same 1st Corinthians. We read Paul's rationale uh, for this. Verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is in the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Since then all over the world there have always been those who have remembered the Lord's death and resurrection in that way, in obedience to his command. And I have to ask is this a priority with you, with the church you belong to? Is this something that you feel that you can do without? And the Lord says, you do this in remembrance of me whenever you can. The title I was giving to my message Uh, this morning was the resurrection and Christ's path to it. The resurrection is so important as it was to Paul as a foundation truth of Christianity. If Christ be not risen, we have no hope. First of all, then, I want to consider the beginning of the path down here on earth. We consider the wonder of his birth. That the God who created the universe could become a human is indeed a great wonder. But even that wonder pales. When compared to the wonder that he actually became one. His coming was prophesied in many places in the Old Testament. The first one being the prophecy given to Satan perhaps 3,000, 4,000 years before he came. After Adam and Eve had brought sin into the world by their disobedience. We read in Genesis 3 and 15, and God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It took a long time for that prophecy to be fulfilled, but what's that to happen in between? Note that it was by means of a human birth that that one who would bruise Satan's head would come, and he is described as being the woman's seed, not the seed of a man. Turn with me please to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 where we read of this. Miraculous birth by the seed of a woman. Matthew chapter 1 and 18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was in this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought in these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the law of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Isaiah said that to about seven hundred and forty, BC. He also said in Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counsel of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. Not the specific order. It would be a child that would be born. But it would be a son who would be given. The child would not be a new child as you and I are born. But he was an existing son. Paul writing to the church in Philippi says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery or a thing to be grasped at, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man the wonder of his birth. But consider the wonder of the purpose of his birth. John chapter 3, verses 14, we read this, the statement of Christ himself. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten, the Son of God. This was the purpose of his birth, the salvation of the world, those who lived in it, It was to provide a means whereby his banished mean be not expelled from him forever. Man had sinned and brought the world into the mess that it's in today. There was nothing that you and I could do about it or can do about it. It had to come from God. Consider then the wonder of his life. He taught truth to the people as they had never heard it before. He healed the sick, the blind, the deaf, the lame. He cast out demons, fed the hungry, and raised the dead. Three times God Himself proclaimed from heaven that He was His beloved Son. It is recorded of him that he went about doing good. And at his final trial, the judge said, I find no fault in this man. Never man spake like this. Were The words of the people who listened to him. There never was a man like Jesus Christ. The wonder of his life. Consider the wonder of the purpose of his life. In John 10, verses 7 to 11, we read, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You and I can do nothing for our salvation. Jesus Christ came, and as he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. <clears throat> I am the good shepherd. <clears throat> the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The wonder of the purpose of his life that he came to give it for the sheep. Consider to me the wonder of his death. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ existed before creation in the timeless state we call eternity. Psalm 90 and verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Everlasting is a a technical term. And this, it means the vanishing point. Things who, people who do drawings recognize the fact that as you look at something, they get smaller and smaller as you go away until eventually they vanish. And this is what the term means here even from vanishing point to vanishing point. You realize that as you approach that vanishing point, then the vanishing point is always that little bit ahead of you. And so what we've got here, is before the mountains were brought forth, wherever that had formed, the earth and the world, even from vanishing point to vanishing point, thou art God. Wherever we look, we see God. The closer we get to the points that we think He's not there, then we find that He is, and even farther ahead. Wherever we look, whatever distance We cover. God is there. John 4 and 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. How could an eternal God who is spirit and not flesh die? James 2 and 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. A God who is a spirit, or rather who is spirit, could not die. But a God who the body could. Because when a human dies, it's only the body that dies not the Spirit. Hebrews 10 and 5 tells us, When he cometh, that's Jesus, into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldst not but a body hast thou prepared me. And in Acts 17 we read, God that made the world and all things therein Seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. How could a God who is the giver and sustainer of all life die? As we read, the body without the spirit is dead. Death is the separation of the spirit from the body. When we die, the spirit and soul leave the body. Where they go depends on into whose care you have given them. Christ's or Satan's? Speaking of a time to die, King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. At the time of Christ's death, we read in Luke 23, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Jesus Christ, in the union of body and spirit, had suffered the agonies of a Roman crucifixion and died to take the punishment that was due to us for our sins. Who could take his life from him? As to who could take his life from him, he answered that himself. In John chapter 10, 17, we read, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. If this God is the creator and controller of the universe, what would happen if he had lost control of it, even for a moment? In Colossians chapter 1 and 15 we read of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things subsist or hold together as the meaning is there. If for a moment God no longer controlled his universe, absolute chaos would ensue. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3 we read, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, And being in the brightness of his glory, and the express images of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. As we have seen, it is this earthly body that dies. The real person inside it continues to live outside of it. And so the Lord continued to do all the things It all was done in this position of creator and sustainer of all things. Yet he did die. The death on the cross was real. Not fate as some would have us believe. The Roman soldiers made sure of that. Consider then the wonder of the purpose of his death. Romans chapter 5 verses 5 and 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Today especially, we want you to consider the wonder of the purpose of his death. To consider that God and his Son, Jesus Christ, could ever love us enough to do what they did. To provide forgiveness for all our sins an eternal home in heaven with them. Consider the wonder of his resurrection. Turn with me please to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, reading from verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, it began, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment quite as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay." And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, though I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. 1 Corinthians, as we read, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you yet in your sins. Consider the wonder of the purpose of his resurrection. Why does Paul place so much emphasis on the resurrection? if it was Christ's death that provided our salvation? Romans chapter 4 and 25 we read, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. What is justification? Justification is the legal act of God acting as judge whereby those who have put faith in Christ are declared righteous in his eyes and free from guilt and punishment. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Here the phrase for our justification is literally because of our justification. His raising to life again was not a means of providing us justification with God. It was the evidence that his death had provided that justification It doesn't mean for our justification, as it's in the King James. I'm not sure what your one has. It does not mean for the purpose of our justification. It means because of all that was necessary in God's part for our justification had already been supplied in the death of Christ. Because of that, he was raised from the dead. His resurrection was his confirmation to the world that God the Son had completed the work God the Father had sent him to do. One of the biggest hindr- hindrances of people becoming Christians is their belief that they have to earn um, Romans 4, verses 4 to 5 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, that believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And if you're looking to your good works and your good life to merit, favor with God, Christ may not have died. Salvation is only offered because Christ died for you. And it's up to you to accept or reject. We celebrate the resurrection this morning. And if there was no resurrection, what could we place our faith in? Many of the religions around the world worship a dead founder of the religion. Some religions have never seen their gods. The gods have never visited the earth. But they carry on a tradition. Christ Jesus came into the world. Our eyes have seen. Our ears have heard. Our hands have handled. As one of the writers puts it. And he came with the sole purpose of giving his life to pay the debt of your sins. To him that worketh not, but believeth, and him that justifieth the ungodly, he is the only one who can set aside your sins, but only when you accept what Christ has done for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is the wonder of his death and his resurrection. His death, because he was God, because he was perfect, was the only acceptable sacrifice in God's eyes. God has accepted that. He has shown that he accepted it by giving us the proof that he has raised him from the dead. What further evidence do you need? What is your hope of eternity? If you're relying on your own goodness, your own works. If that were possible, Christ need not have died. He did, and God says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He raised them from the dead so that today we could offer you the proof of a risen Savior. One who is coming back to take those who have accepted Him as their Savior to be with Him. Shall we pray?